Yo, pod. This is Meet Mitch, and you're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Bomb. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine. How's it going? You have a great show. I'm a big fan. Boing. So what? What? What seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? He ate two feet for wiener. So listen, Lavernius, shut your face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Top men. And just like that, we are into the second hour. This is the Barbecue Central Show. We talk about only the highest level barbecue and grilling related items. If you're just tuning in, you missed the first hour. Not to fear, we are recording for podcast. So you can get the first hour tomorrow in the morning. You can also get the second hour Thursday. I'll tell you about Friday here in just one second. Still to come on this show this evening, starting at about 13 minutes from now, Mike McLeod of MMA Creative, also the creator of the World Food Championships, is set to join us for no less than one segment. There's a very good chance he's going to press into two. Of course, the show being brought to you from where? Palm City, USA, Cleveland. I had referenced Casey Hansen uh, through Facebook saying that he's listening to the show and he is been a podcast listener for 11 years and counting. Wow, look at you, Casey. Appreciate you listening through the podcast, as most people do. When you look at the breakdown of the demographics and audience statistics, while through the live various platforms, Clubhouse, YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, we might have two to 500, sometimes thousands of watchers through the course of the show, not all congruently. Concurrently, I think is what I meant, not congruent. I believe that's a measurement of some sort, congruent angles. Uh, concurrent, sometimes. But then you look at the audio downloads per month of this show, which is how 90-plus percent of you, maybe 95%, of you get the show, uh, we were averaging well over 40,000 audio downloads per month through iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, whatever podcast platform that you use, a podcast download falls into that number, and uh, we've reached over half a million downloads this year, 2022. I was hoping for 400,000. I think at the end of 2021, we were towards 360, 365, and I was hoping to get towards 400,000 this year, and somewhere right around halfway through the year, things really picked up. I don't know if somebody famous started mentioning the show to their pals or tweeted it out or something, but download numbers ticked up and haven't stopped since, so we're well over half a million, or we will be well over half a million by the 
time the year ends. So somebody like Casey, who's a traditional podcast listener, but catching the show live, I've often said, do yourself a favor. If you're always a podcast listener, figure out one Tuesday night in your life where you can catch the show live because who knows what's going to happen. Certainly, when Casey's listening to the show in podcast, he doesn't know what's going to happen, but it's not live. Anything could happen right now. Anything at all. The internet could go out. My guest could back out. Who knows what could happen? I don't know. But none of us know what's going to happen next right now, Tuesdays between 9 to 11. That's why it's a live production. As you listen to it in podcast, it is recorded. It's new to you. You don't know what's going to happen unless something crazy happens. And then somebody's like, oh, hey, did you watch it last night? You know, you were part of the whole thing. Otherwise, no. That's why you got to listen once, one time. Yeah, Dan's right. Crappy mics could happen. We don't want crappy mics to happen. Get that big stuff out of here. We don't want that, but it could happen. Hey, still to come on the show this evening, Mike McLeod from MMA Creative and the creator of the World Food Championships. We say good evening to those of you watching through our streaming video platforms, Twitch and Facebook slash BBQ Central Show. You can also tune in to YouTube slash RD Rempe. If you would also like chat, there is a chat going on in the YouTube page. We also say good evening to the folks using the audio streaming platform Clubhouse. So if you would rather hear us and not see us, Clubhouse is the way to do it. Also a chat feature there. Coming up on the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less this Friday, episode 260, taking you back to, I wasn't exactly sure on the date. I'm going with December 1st, 2010, although it could be 2011, but let's go with 2010 for now. December 1st, 2010. The holiday season is firmly upon us. There's no question about it. So what would make your holiday season even better? Yes, you guessed it. The 12 days of barbecue Christmas coming to your podcast feed on Friday. And just when you think you couldn't possibly have more holiday spirit and cheer than you have right now, we're going to take that spirit knob and turn it to 11. You will be so jacked up. By the time you're done listening on Friday with holiday spirit, you won't know what to do with yourself. As Clark Griswold said, you'll be z- whistling zippity doodah at your butthole. <laughs> now, I do want to give thanks and credit to the songwriters of the 12 Days of Barbecue Christmas, namely Matt Frampton, who you would know as the founder of Urban Slicer Pizza Works. And the live fire pizza guru that I have here on this show, also part of a barbecue competition team called Hot Grill on Grill Action. And his barbecue buddy, Logan Hendrickson, also from Hot Grill on Grill Action. Remember, this song is now celebrating its 12th year anniversary. I think it might be time to dust this bad boy off, get the girls back down in the recording studio and redo it, or maybe we go ahead and do it live one more time. We'll do it live. Yes, why not? Everybody's a lot older. Maybe everybody can sing a lot better. We should do it live one more time. We'll do it live. Why not? 
I don't know if the girls would be down for it, but I certainly would be. I've become very adept at singing live on this show. Of course, we all know I'm this year's Barbecue Central Show's American Idol champion. Yes. So I'll sing at the drop of a hat. Not well, but I'll sing it. I don't care. So we'll see what happens. Maybe I can get Bobby, Maddie, and Marley down here for another rendition of the 12 Days of Barbecue Christmas. But that's what you have to look forward to on the Best Moments show this coming Friday. So if you've never heard the 12 Days of Barbecue Christmas, you will be enlightened, to say the least. It will quickly become your most favorite holiday song. And next year, after you forget about it, Right around this time, you will be refreshed once again. That seems to be a staple that John goes for, which I certainly appreciate. Don't forget, if you want to hear a guest or segment again that has been lost in the archives, email John and let him know what you'd like to hear, J-O-N at thebbqcentralshow.com, and he'll do his best to meet your expectation. Upcoming shows still left in December and or for 2022. Daniel Vaughn from Texas Monthly makes his last quarterly appearance. Mr. Jonathan from the Cigar Authority Podcast will join us next week. So we'll see what's smoking good, and we'll get some tips for all the new potential cigar smokers as the year crosses into 2023. Also, Derek Riches will be joining us for his monthly segment, and as I had mentioned during Rusty Monson's segment, the Embedded Correspondence will be showing up on the fourth Tuesday to close out the year right. Also, on the 27th, we will be joined by Noah Glanville, the CEO and co-founder of Pit Barrel Cooker. So he's a rebook from when the show was missed a handful of weeks ago. So looking forward to those shows as we close out the year. Uh, and yeah, we'll stop there. We'll get ready for Mike McLeod from World Food Championships. I will quickly tell you about Green Mountain Grills. That's right. Two different lines to choose from. We know this. Choice line, prime line. So if you're looking to save a couple bucks, if you're looking to go into pellet cooking, you want something that's better than the entry level, but you don't want to blow the wad. Choice line. One size to choose from. Works great. I have a pair of them on my patio right now. They work great, and they're 10-plus years old. Now, if you want all the other bells and whistles that you're seeing Prime line is the one you're going to want to take a look at. Two internal meat probes. You have the ability to look into the cooking chamber. There's lights in the cooking chamber. You can also look into the pellet hopper to see where that pellet level is. whole bunch of cool stuff. Value adds, as we say in the biz. So you decide how you want to spend your money. Then go online, greenmountaingrill.com, and find a dealer near you. Visit that dealer. Touch them, feel them, love them, get educated by the dealer, and then pick the one that's best for you. The best part is this. No matter which one you pick, you're going to love it. A. B. The choice and the prime lines accommodate the pizza of an insert. What's better than high heat pizza? Nothing. When you're sick of smoke roasting or slow smoking or whatever you're going to do normally with your Green Mountain Grill, you could turn that thing into a high-heat pizza oven with the pizza oven insert. You can make pizzas in two to three minutes. Everybody can make their own. It's fun. Great change of pace. Great on the weekends. Great during the week. Great every day of the week. Why not? GreenMountainGrills.com. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. And you can hook up with some accessories there if you want. 
to complete the Green Mountain Grill cooking experience. Yep, you can do it. GreenMountainGrills.com. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. We're back with Mike McLeod right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. Welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Pit Barrel Cooker, the most unbelievable outdoor cooking device on the planet. Currently available in three sizes with a host of accessories. Doesn't matter if you are a beginner or a professional, definitely a cooker you want to add to the arsenal. Visit pitbarrelcooker.com and tell them the Barbecue Central Show sent you, as I had mentioned. Noah Glanville to show up on the 27th. Guy the Cooking Sam weighing in, showing that he's a true fan, saying Miller Lyite. Of course, what he meant to say was Coors Lyite. Come on, Guy. But I appreciate the fact that you were able to pull the lie. That is the minutia that I want to see from a true fan right there. You knew it was lie because my kids were singing and a case of cold Coors lie. That was the whole thing. You'll hear about it Friday. Trust me. Hey, my next guest last appeared on this show in September of 2020. You would know him as the person who has created something called the World Food Championships a few weeks ago. We had the winner of the barbecue side of that event, Sterling Smith, on to talk about the win, his experience at this year's rendition. And now we get the breakdown from the man himself. We race to the hotline. And welcome back, friend of the show, Mike McLeod. Like the last time you were on the show, we talked about how the World Food Championships was going to be or not going to be affected by the coronavirus. We are now two years outside of that last conversation. What were the past two years like for you and the organization? I didn't know you were going to start with a loaded question. Why would I be surprised by that? Um, <laughs> by the way, welcome back. <laughs> yeah, it's good to see you too. Yeah. Merry Christmas. You know, it's been a very interesting ride. Um, it was it was tough. I, I'm not going to kid you for, for about a year and a half there. The whole food sport uh, world got shut down and we were impacted just like everybody else was. And we lost the 2020 event, but we were able to pull it back in 2021. We were able to run it back again uh, last month. Uh, and it's it's been uh, a pleasure. It's been uh, exhilarating, but it's also been exhausting. There's been a, a lot of mountains that had to be moved and uh, a lot of hurdles jumped um, in the whole process. And, and I still don't think that we're at full mast as far as being back, uh, at, at the momentum, the pace of momentum that we had in, uh, 2019 going into 2020. But, you know, you have to dig in, you have to, you have to basically draw a, a line in the sand. You have to commit to something. It's like a, we talk about golf occasionally, right? You, you have to commit to your swing and you have to follow through. So, um, uh, that's why we, we did make 2021 happen. Uh, and we came back uh, strong, uh, and I think stronger in 2022. Uh, are we where we need to be 
um, based on the 2019 levels, I, I think we're a little shy of that, but we're, we're gaining momentum pretty fast and, and we just came off a pretty good event. So I guess I should be tickled that we actually were able to rebound as quickly as we did. Uh, but I know there's a lot of, um, there, there's a lot more ahead of us. There's a lot of mountains ahead of us that we, uh, that we got to climb. There wasn't really anything you were going to be able to do to miss 2020. Do you have a conversation with the folks, the business partners, if you will, the sponsors, whatever you want to call them and say, hey, we're going to take it to the bench here for one year, but let's stay in touch and let's all agree that next year this is going to happen. We're going to come back bigger and better than ever, or at least get some momentum coming back in here that we can uh, use over the next handful of years. Uh, is there ever any danger that a lot of people are just going to pull out or they're going to get interested in something else and, and not come back. There's always that danger. I mean, that, that danger exists every year, uh, year over year, no matter what, uh, no matter what you're facing. So, uh, that certainly was something that we were concerned about at the time, but it, it, I don't know how many events did this. I, we may have been the only event that, that actually still held some kind of virtual competition in 2020, you know, in 2020, we also, uh, gosh, it's amazing to look back on that and think how we were able to sandwich between the two COVID spikes, uh, the final table. I don't know if you recall, but we did a, we actually did a final table yep. in I think it was August of 2020. And at that time, we were we were pretty sure that we were not going to be able to do um, the main event in November. So uh, we had to call it off about three months in advance because you there's too many dominoes, uh, at an event like ours, whether it's, you know, power, um, being run, if, whether it's, it's, uh, ovens being set, uh, facilities being secured, um, uh, portal, portalettes, <laughs> you know, contracting for, for things like that. And then also working with hotel blocks and just a, a myriad of things, let alone the competitors who have to be able to get off from work and, mm -hmm. and, or, leave home and not be afraid of leaving home in 2021 when we came back um we noticed that there was still a lot of that fear out there there's a lot of uh, a lot of people that still believed it wasn't safe to travel even though uh we had you know half of america was 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 for it and half of america was against it uh we certainly noticed some of that in in the competition levels the number of competitors in 2021 so and that had some impacts on what we decided for 2022 but in in 2020 we certainly had to to kind of forecast about four months in advance mm -hmm. is this going to be possible or not and if not what are we going to do and we did some virtual contesting we actually awarded if i if i recall correctly uh we awarded probably about twenty thousand dollars uh in a virtual competition i don't know anyone else who did that uh so it, we wear that as a badge of honor. Uh, we we talk about that as as a level of commitment that we have to food sport, and and we use examples like that to prove that um, we're we're trying to f fulfill the role of a leader uh, in this industry. And uh, I think we did pretty well to be able to do the final table and do a virtual uh, series in in late 2020. Mike McLeod joining us here on the show. Worldfoodchampionship.com is the website. So the 2022 version of WFC happens not too long ago. You've had time now to do the post-mortem on it. How does year 10 stack up compared to the other versions? 
pretty damn good. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, people ask me how I rank every year, and there's about six or seven dimensions that I look at uh, when I when I give my answer and really give a full throated um, um, reply to that. From an operational standpoint, it was an absolute home run. From a competition standpoint, absolute home run. From a um, strategic shift standpoint, trying to implement some things that we believe are important going forward with food sport, master judges, being able to pick winners, put eyes on the actual field instead of uh, total blind judging, absolute home run. It, the live panel judging that we implemented for the first time where the X factor was really about show and tell, tell the, tell these panel of experts what's so great about your dish. This is your, your two minutes of, of, of salesmanship, your two minute elevator pitch to, to tell our judges what makes your dish so fantastic um, and why you should win. Those were absolute home runs. Um, weather sucked. <laughs> uh, obviously we can't control that. Um, the, uh, the location that we're in is both, uh, fantastic and challenging. One, it, it forced us to figure out how to do this event indoors for the most part. And, and trust me, that is a, a major positive. Um, we, we still, you know, if you're barbecuing and you're grilling or you're, you're doing a burger or steak, you still have to, to do live fire out outdoors. Uh, but the other 70% of our competition can be done indoors. And that is just a, a, a phenomenal uh, benefit to this whole industry because you, you don't have to face the elements. You can control your environment. You can hear people, you can see stuff uh, and you can enjoy yourself. So all that being said, those aspects were positive. Uh, we have a whole equal list of things that, that we believe we need to work on and we need to improve. Um, but we do, that comes out of every event, you know, Greg, we, you've known me for a long time now. We, we, we don't, we would like to look back at successes and we'd like to, to, uh, put a star next to those things, but we don't let, rest on our laurels. We keep trying to push the envelope. And, uh, as long as, as blood is running through my veins and, and, um, I continue to, to, to try to fulfill this quest that I'm on, for various reasons, we're going to continue doing that. And that means that every year there's going to be a list of things that I want to improve and things that we need to improve on. So, um, overall though, the 10th anniversary was, was, a, I think a great event and we couldn't have pulled it off without great partners and great volunteers and great people who just believe in what we're doing and give so much blood, sweat and tears to, to the effort. So thank uh, my heart and my mind goes out to, uh, so many individuals who, helped us in many walks of this event and they know who they are. It's funny that you mentioned how long we've known each other, Mike, because I remember when there was no such thing as the World Food Championships. Now we're in year 10 where it's really solidified itself as something that's happening every year. Anybody that's got any type of culinary inkling knows about it, wants to take part in it. Of course, everybody wants to win it. it but there were years where Maybe you were thinking about it, but we had never uh, even talked about it. It was just uh, a barbecue thing. So when you look at how this whole thing has evolved, whenever you came up with this harebrained scheme of World Food Championships, did you think that it will have evolved into what it has 
10 years later? Is it bigger than you ever thought it would be? I actually thought it would be bigger. Really? By now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and it would be if it weren't for COVID. We, we, were, we were poised for some phenomenal things uh, coming out of 2019. And a few of those just got train wrecked by, uh, by COVID. And we, we have struggled to, to regain that momentum, in my opinion, but we were very close. Uh, in fact, I, I get on a plane tomorrow to, um, um, to jump the pond and, and finally get to roll up my sleeves on what we thought was going to happen in 2020. We're, we're about to really, really impress a lot of people and, and shock a lot of people in this industry in, in the next six months. So, but, but it took, you know, we had a two year hiatus almost. And it was really the, the danger that came out of uh, COVID was, I know there's always been rumors and questions, you know, is, is, is WFC going to happen again? Or is the final table going to happen? And I finally got to a point where I just, I, I didn't give a shit anymore about what people said. I knew in my heart what we were going to do and how we were going to do it. And it was going to happen. And I adopted the, the opinion that, you know, you can say whatever you want to um, until you decide to put your name and, and your checkbook on the line. Like I do, um, you know, sit down, shut the fuck up. So I don't know. Is this, is this fam? Is this our, this is family? the internet, uh, Mike. I don't know if you <laughs> knew it or not. There's porno okay. on the internet. So saying the F word, okay. uh, you know, it's a, okay. it's a little tame. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. But, but in all seriousness, you know, I, I just got to a point where I was like, you know, I don't care what people say. Um, because I knew what we we're going to do. And, but I will say to you that coming out of COVID, there were, there were some serious, uh, hitches in the giddy up, so to speak. There were a lot of companies that were about to sign on a lot about to do this, whether it's TV centric or, um, international centric, et cetera, that, that all set back and said, okay, we gotta, we gotta press, uh, pause now because, you know, I, it's not going to look good if we do X or if we do Y and we need to see if this is actually mm-hmm. even going to be a part of our game plan going forward. So we had to, we had to get through the last two years and really find out who the, who the contenders were from a sponsorship standpoint uh, and who the pretenders were. And um, it's been a, an eye opening experience. So um, I, I forget wh- what your, your teed up question was on that, but it, I think oh, I, don't, I remember had we not had, you know, that curveball that came out of nowhere for everyone, not just us, yeah. not just our industry, but everyone. Right. But think about our industry, live event in person kind yeah, of stuff. Close. You know, COVID was a, was a game changer for, for so many people. And I see it still in all the, the events that we sanction or that we certify. There's a lot of events that are still trying to, you know, get back on the grid, get back into their uh, swing of, uh, of things to get back in motion. And it's not been easy. So we do everything we can to help the industry. And um, hopefully what we'll be doing over the next six to 12 months will re-energize and recharge and get us back on track. But uh, yeah, I, I think the 10th anniversary was exactly what it needed to be. Um, 
we, we could have done a lot more. I wish we could have done a lot more, but it, we at least uh, put forth our best foot and we had a great event. We had a great turnout, great champions. Oh my God, it's great food um, and some great concepts that got implemented. So I'm, I'm very happy with it. You're kind of answering this next question, but let me just ask it bluntly. Is there still a high interest from businesses in the food space or that might be in this periphery that are looking to come on and partner or sponsor this event? Uh, yes, there is, but it, it, it's, um, it's more noticeable now uh, for, a, for a guy who's been in the marketing business now for gosh, 30 plus years, it's real, it's real easy to see uh, who has the chops what businesses are doing well and what businesses are not and what businesses just can't, can't level up. Um, you know, used to, it, it wasn't that big of a deal to, to drop 30 or 50 grand into a, uh, a year long marketing program that involved food sport. Um, and there are businesses that, that still want to do it and they want to double down, uh, they're, but they're not as numerous as they were. And, um, I, I think, I think, uh, the whole, pandemic really uh really shook out some of the um some of the pretenders from the industry so um i watch it closely as i know you do and i know a lot of other folks who do i'm seeing uh i'm, I'm seeing people retrench that i have been surprised by and i'm seeing people press forward that uh that i've been surprised by so it's a little bit of a mixed bag what's the legacy of Mike McLeod, I know you got, you know, Tucker. Now I remember when you didn't have a Tucker too. Uh, that's how long we've known each other. Do you hope that he just finds his own way into something that he's passionate about? Do you secretly hope that he somehow develops a passion for food sport as well and will end up taking this over and, and bringing it to whatever new height uh, from where you're leaving it to him? What do you hope from a legacy standpoint? Wow, that's a big question. Um, Let's let's start with what what has driven me for the last fifteen years in food sport, and that is simply to to find to to be one of the contributing factors to making sure that food sport has a place uh, and is perceived as a, a legitimate enterprise, and that major corporations will invest in this and and help those food competitors out there, uh, the food champs as I call them. Um with their aspirations to keep fueling the fire, uh, so to speak. And, and I just want to go down as one of those guys that, that really helps solidify that and make it happen. Um, as for Tucker, I mean, he is my legacy, right? I mean, he, he's, he's going to, uh, hopefully be afforded every, every opportunity to pursue, um, whatever his passion is. And right now that's a lot of things. <laughs> um, and, and I'm, I'm enjoying every, every free moment I have with him to, to relive not only my childhood, but to really embrace his and, and support him as a, as a young kid and a toddler to a kid. And then from kid to a young man, um, I, I don't know if he's going to have a place in food sport. I, I don't know if he's really going to embrace it because that's important, right? Whatever you do, if you really want to make a difference and, and you want to, you want to be, um, a best in class, of whatever it is, you've got to love what you're doing. And I'm, I'm going to try to help him understand that concept. And then we're going to find what he loves to do. And, and I'm going to give him as, as many opportunities as possible to pursue it. 
as a guy that's looking to expand the brand, as you said, you're getting ready to head over to wherever it is across the pond that you're going to go to, to try and knock down deals and so forth. That involves a lot of travel. Food, uh, food sport itself involves a lot of travel. Do you find yourself conflicted at all that you're away? Do you take them wherever you go and you guys are together or is it, you know, the more traditional dads out and uh, now you're working within yourself to, to justify time away to, to, to get what you need done, but also trying to spend the quality time with uh, your kid. You know, I can't fully answer that question without um, shedding some, some personal light on my life. And, and uh, I don't mind doing that. You know, I, I have shared custody uh, with, with Tucker, uh, Chelsea, his mom and I um, are uh, great friends. Uh, just turned out we weren't, uh, soulmates that we needed to be to be, but we uh, we produced a, a really damn fine kid, and uh, the, the the arrangement that we have allows me to to have him almost uh, half the time, and and what that affords me to do is to be present in all things uh, that are of that are of interest to me. One is food sport, and when I don't have Tucker, um, it I'm on the road or I'm in a plane. And I'm going somewhere to further this this passion and this mission that I've been called to. I think, and then when I'm when it's my turn to um, to to have him, um, I am all in on him and all about him. And uh, for the first time in my life, just this year, I uh, was able to become an assistant coach of a t-ball um, team that he played on. And you know, there's nothing else. I don't answer phone calls. I don't look at emails when that happens. It, it's 100% about Tucker. And, um, that's, that's the way my, my life is balanced right now. And, um, amongst, you know, other things, be it your, you know, your religion, your, your, your faith and things of that nature. But, uh, those are the two things that I seesaw in between. And, uh, it's not always easy, uh, but it's, it's worth it. You know, one of my, my best friends who ever gave me advice about having a son as an older guy, uh, he basically said, and I know it's a kind of a, an old saying, but it's true. He, he reminded me that, you know, the days are long, but the years are short and um, to embrace them. And, and that those words are so true. Uh, so I, I just try to be 100 percent present uh, in his life and I try to be 100 percent present in, in my mission. Do you think that the World Food Championships has gained a certain amount of stability, knocking COVID out as, as best we can? I know we can't not talk about it because it happened, but holding that off to the side, do you think that it's gained some type of better stability because of a consistent place to have World Food Championships? You know, in, in the beginning, as we were talking about how long we've known each other, there was Vegas, there was Florida, there was Alabama. And it always seemed like every few years uh, you're moving and maybe not having that consistency can lead to some complacency from competitors where if you have some place, you know, you're going to show up every year. You can plan for that and uh, maybe a more consistent competitor shows up. Every time we stay in a location for, for at least three years, there is a level of, of, um, uh, consistency and um, dependability that that is important to the franchise. Uh, but what's what's more important is is delivering 
on our overall promise every year, year in and year out. You know, but this is we've now achieved ten years. We still have a final table to do uh, to cap the the tenth anniversary, but um, to 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 do what we've done, you know, we've almost awarded about three million dollars, Greg, in in prize money. Uh, if you'd asked me, you know, fifteen years ago. Yeah, if I was going to be a guy that's going to put $3 million out there, and sometimes a lot of it, my own personal money, uh, just for the pursuit, pursuit of, of food excellence, I'd have been like, what, <laughs> the, what, 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 the, what, <laughs> but, um, doing what we do day in and day out is, and doing it with, um, uh, consistency and dependability, no matter where we are, is important. As you know, our final table has been moving around every year, yep. even since we've been in, in Dallas, right? That's been a strategic um, thing, and it will continue to be a strategic thing. Uh, are we always going to be in Dallas? I can't I can't say to you that we will. Um, th- there are some, some challenges with being in Dallas. It's a very expensive market. I know it's uh, very expensive for our competitors to, to, to go to and, and to conduct a competition and stay five days in. I, you know, I, I hear that uh, every year. So um, as we continue to receive bids from other cities, and, and we've got two that we're looking at at the moment that are pretty serious, um, because we just we just completed our three year uh, deal with with Dallas. A- as we as we look at other opportunities, we we're having to ask that question now: Is this accretive to our brand? Is this if we move here, does it look like we're moving backwards or does this advance the ball? Is this going to help food sport get bigger and better and broader and more inclusive and more consumer friendly? So, um, we go through those questions, um, every December and January at the end of a contract. And and I'm right in the middle of, of trying to answer that question right now. Do you foresee? I would say that. Uh, let me let me let me cap your question off with this. Sure. If 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 we were to move the championship, uh, it would not concern me from a brand standpoint uh, because we will have already checked all the boxes of why we're moving, <laughs> and that it, that it is better for the brand and better for the competitors. At, you know, those are the two most important things. Uh, getting consumers to a food event is not the hard part um, unless you have just a real shitty location, right? And there's a lot of events out there that have really bad locations. We've had some of our own. That's why we were one and done in Florida, for example. Uh, but um, making sure that it's good for the competition industry to get to and conduct their their job is is numero uno. Um, and making sure that it is great for the brand, um, that it's complementary, that it is a city or a location that is complementary to what we're trying to achieve is numero uh, dos. So we, we've got to do those those two things. And uh, I don't I don't feel like we have to be locked into one city for the rest of our lives. We got a lot of a lot of things going on at the World Food Championships, and and um, about the only thing that is actually um, geographically tied is the final table because we do localized competition challenges when we do the final table because we do move it on an annual basis. Um, but as far as the main event, you know, the, the main event could be look, look at NASCAR. 
how many great NASCAR venues are there out there? You know, does it matter if you're in Daytona um, uh, versus Michigan uh, versus uh, Talladega? When you look at that schedule, you don't think, oh, wow, they're in Daytona. It's worse this year. Uh, or that event's not as good as the Talladega event. You don't, you don't think that, right? It's great for the brand that they do that. So, so we're trying to, we're trying to understand that value and that proposition in numerous ways as it affects other sports and how it affects our sport. Do you have any insight as to what the final table is going to look like then in 2023? None that I can share with you tonight, uh, but I do have some insight. There's a, uh, <clears throat> The, the final table, which will be in May of this year, based on our options, um, will be a, either a very strategically important domestic location or, for the first time in our history, an international location. Hmm. I can tell you that. That follows my next question, which would be, do you foresee a time, we don't have to put any date on it at this point, but the World Food Championships says world in the first word or in the title, right? So um, I'm more of a myopic American than perhaps most people wanted to admit. So when, you know, we say world champion here, we talk about baseball, but it's still here and football, same thing. World through championships. I don't know how many international teams are coming over, um, but it's still here. Could this turn into uh, an instance where the world through championships here in America are the American championships and then we have something else in Europe and something else in Australia, what have you, do you foresee? And then culminating in some big world food championships in Brussels or uh, Dubai or something like this. Yes. Uh, that's going to happen in the next 18 to 24 months. Uh, we had 33 international, international teams, wow. uh, at this year's event. We had four last year. Uh, now that was a COVID situation last year, but 33 international teams came to the world food championships this year. We've had almost 50 international 50 countries represented at WFC in our, in our history. So the appetite is there. The question is, are the international partners there mm. to, to do a European food championships, to do an Asian food championships, to do an Australian food championships, et cetera. Um, I, I can go ahead and tell you this cause I've, I'm going to make it public tomorrow. Anyway, I'll be on a plane tomorrow, uh, to London. And it's because we think we now have the partner that helps us expand, uh, into at least three, if not four more continents in wow. the next, uh, 18 months. So, um, that moment is here. And, and, and I think, uh, you know, the 10th anniversary was, was one of those proving points that we had to kind of get over that hump. Uh, and we had a lot of international partners in Dallas this year to talk to us about what does this look like in a expanded format? What does it look like if you drop it into Dubai? What does it look like if you drop it into Paris? So those conversations have, have been happening in earnest. <laughs> and um, tomorrow I have to uh, cross the pond and, and talk even more deeply about it. So uh, I think 2023 is going to be the year that you – you see significant advancement of that ball. And um, the, your, your, the second part of your question about does the American version become the American championship, that remains to be seen. Uh, 
we obviously are very American right now. Uh, I, I will I will say to you that even though we had six countries represented in our burger championship this year uh, in the finals, and we had two translators in the finals for the first time, uh, I don't know how many other events have have had to do that. Um, even though that happened, and we saw that as a huge, amazing development. In, in the eyes of those international teams, we still looked very American, right? I mean, you're, you're talking, they were having to sell their international flavor to five very great judges, but five American judges. Yeah. So, so eventually, I have to find a way to, to resolve that uh, if we're truly going to be what our moniker says we are. And, um, that has been our vision from day one. We never kidded ourselves. When we put the name out there, we knew some people were going to be like, what <laughs> are you for real? Um, so we, we had vision for this and now we're at the point of, of implementing it. So stay tuned. I, you'll, you'll see some, some news from our, our uh, official uh, outlets, our official platforms in the next, uh, probably the next 60 days that will make that a little bit more evident. Uh, we're talking with Mike McLeod. Mike, can I put you on hold for one second? We'll come back and talk sure. a little something other than World Food Championship. All right. Sure. Stand by. We're talking with Mike McLeod. The website, of course, worldfoodchampionship.com. And we will catch up with him here in just one moment. I will talk to you quickly about what I led the show off with. The Do Wellness program, David Leans, davidleans.com slash bbq. Did you know the people who set a goal four to six weeks before the new year ends. So we're right in the middle of that right now. Three to time, uh, three to ten times, yes, ten times more likely to achieve their fitness goals. Be honest. How long has losing a few pounds been on your to-do list? Now, we all listen to the show because we love barbecue, and I know a lot of us make a habit of getting second, third, and fourth servings because, well, it's delicious. But what effect has that and an activity level that's not what it used to be had on your health over the last handful of years? Maybe you've heard that having a dad bod is cool. Hey, take it from a stud like me. There's nothing sexy about wearing your gluttony everywhere you go, not to mention being overweight increases the risk for all causes of mortality, including strokes, cancers, coronary artery disease, sleep apnea, the list goes on. Making the decision to change decades-old food habits can mean the difference between you attaining your health goals versus dealing with unknown health challenges that you and your family will have to face down the road. That's where my pal David McDowell comes in. He was on last week. If you missed it, go ahead and get the podcast. But I am now 22 weeks into the program. As I said, I am investing my own money in to get where I want to go. It's working. Yes, I have the huge water jug. He doesn't require that. But I have it because it's in sight. It's in mind. I am a properly hydrated human now for the first time perhaps in my life. So if you need some accountability, you're willing to invest a little bit of money on your health in order to get help to do it, then join me in the fitness explosion. Let's go. DavidLeans.com slash BBQ. That's David Leans dot com slash bbq sign up have that initial talk hammer out what you're looking to do he will meet you where you're at 
If you have any questions, you can call him, you can text him, you can email him, you can video chat with him. He's available. Do it now. Don't wait. As I said, don't use the new year as a time marker. That's trash. Start now and start the weeks. DavidLeans.com slash BBQ. We're back with more Mike McLeod right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Let's get back to a guy who has more experience giving you his opinion than he actually has cooking. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. Hey, this portion being brought to you by Smithfield. Of course, we know the grant program applications are now closed. However, there still might be a few of their committed cooks program spots open in 2023. Participating teams receive a premium swag kit, coupons, and surprises through the season. Spots are limited. Sign up at smokinwithsmithfield.com. That's smokinwithsmithfield.com. And we are joined once again by Mike McLeod from World Food Championships. But before World Food Championships, I knew Mike McLeod as only the president and CEO of a company called MMA Creative. So I don't know what pulse you're keeping these days, Mike, on the barbecue community. I would secretly hope it's feverish because that's kind of how this whole relationship got started. But there's a new CEO at KCBS. A lot of people seem to think that he gives the organization a great shot at recapturing past popularity. And I've openly theorized that it might not be the worst idea to have somebody at the KCBS reach out to somebody at MMA Creative and look at getting back together to see if there could be a rekindling of what was really once a great and powerful partnership. Is that a misplaced nostalgia on my part, or conceptually do you think that could happen? I didn't realize you were a hopeless romantic, Greg. You know it. I don't think it's uh, it, it's a great question. How about if I answer it that way? Do you think uh, KCBS outside of it now? But as we look back at the years that you are in putting deals together for uh, the KCBS side of things, but just talking about competition barbecue in general, when we were originally talking, and then over those years during that uh, partnership that you had with them, it seemed like competition barbecue was all the rage everybody was talking about it you didn't have to be in any type of world-class shape to be the best competition barbecue cook not only that if you got an interest in it you had the ability on any given weekend to really go up against the best if you wanted to travel to nebraska or georgia or wherever you wanted to go you could literally be stacked up against darren worth or myron mixon or whatever great name of the day you want to throw out. You can't do that in any other uh, competition setting. So was that just a moment in time where all the planets aligned right and Mercury's in retrograde and whatever stupid analogy we want to put together here? Or do you think there could be a recapture of that popularity once again? I think anything's possible. Um, so I never say never. The, the uniqueness of that time frame that you're referring to is that you had a lot of the levers that needed to be pulled being pulled in the right direction. I mean, you had great TV, 
Uh, you had great passion in the industry. You had um, legends that were still competing and you had newbies that were coming on the scene and doing it in different ways. And, you know, those cultures were combining and, and creating some uh, unforeseen, unexpected opportunities. And then you had a, a company like ours that that truly looked at it as a, uh, um, a an industry that deserved to be marketed and promoted um, for its own merits. And, you know, we, we worked diligently at that. We, our tenure of 12 years speaks for itself now, um, in hindsight, I believe. Um, but, but it was, it was not easy and, and it, I don't think it ever will be easy based on the current structure of most KCB or most barbecue, um, sanctioning bodies. You know, I, you know, I, I love KCBS, um, always have, always will always respect, um, the people who, who were part of my life and still are. Uh, in fact, one of the special moments this year at the world food championships was our barbecue finals panel, uh, to be able to have five legends as our judges, uh, all of them steeped heavily in the history of KCBS, um, was was special to me so much so that I think I even broke up when I was talking to him at the end and, and thanking him. But, um, you know, I, here's the thing, Greg, I mean, if you, if you want to go barbecue uncensored, um, K KCBS is, is hampered, um, by the thing that it, that makes it great. You, you have, and, and I say this on behalf of any organization like them, not just them, uh, you, you have individuals who volunteer their time to be on a board of directors. And in spite of their best intentions, they really find a good way to muck it up. Uh, they get too involved. They get too, um, too deep in the weeds with, with what's going on or should be going on from an executive standpoint. So if Rod Gray can stop that, um, and, and be what an executive director is supposed to be and actually call the shots and make, you know, get support for the shots that, that need to be called when there are strikes or balls, um, then yeah, it can retain, it can get back to its day of glory from an organizational standpoint. I don't know what they're doing on the marketing front. I, I don't, I don't see a whole lot of, you know, retail, um, or consumer facing marketing like we were involved with back in the day. And, maybe they have it going on and I'm just not, uh, in the circles that they're promoting it. I, d I don't know, but, um, fundamentally the structure of a nonprofit board that is a volunteer board that you have to play politics with and you have to be on the defense with in many, many instances is a problem. Um, <laughs> I, I remember the first three or four years of, you know, of, of being involved with KCPS every single three year cycle, which led into a fourth year cycle. We literally had to go into a board meeting and defend who we were, what we were doing and why we were doing it. And at some point I was like, what the F why, why, do, why do, why do three of you or four of you newbies come in here thinking that, that we're, we're the ones that, or robbing Peter to pay Paul or whatever it is. I, I just didn't, it became, it became very clear to me very soon 
into our, about four years into our relationship. Well, actually it was very clear the first month, but, um, the, the annual grind of trying to tell a board of directors what you're doing and why you're doing it and that it's good for you <laughs> just ultimately became a, a fool's errand. And, uh, you know, when, when the, when ultimately the, the, the politics of it turned into a little bit of backstabbing or a little bit of fiefdom here and there, a little click over here, a little click there. Then you started playing politics. You spent more time doing politics than you did marketing an entity that you loved. And that's when I realized uh, our days were numbered. It was just a matter of, you know, how and when and where, um, you know, the final blow would, would occur. Um, and, and I think they're going to have that issue with any marketing firm. There, there's not a, first of all, I don't think there's ever going to be a marketing firm that did, did it the way we did it, uh, where we basically said, if you don't make a dollar, we don't make a dime. Um, you know, every other, most other marketing guys are smarter than me. They want to get paid up front. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, we took a flyer and basically said, we'll earn our way and we'll prove it to you that, that we're good at what we do. And, and after about three or four years, that was evident. And I still, uh, in the fifth and sixth and seventh and up to 12th year, I kept having to explain what we we're doing. I was like, why am I having to beat my head against the wall like this? So, you know, my, I send a hundred percent support and uh, good luck to, to Rod and, and the folks that have to do the day-to-day -day grind because, um, when you've got 12 angry men looking over your shoulder, um, or people, I should say. And that's always what I thought of. I always thought of that movie, you know, the 12 ang angry men, uh, the, the jurors, when I was in that, when that, I was in that hot seat. Um, you never knew when you got a phone call, when your phone rang and a board member's name popped up, he's like, if it's going to be a good call or is it going to be a bad call? Is it going to be politics? Is it actually going to be about positive business? <laughs> you never quite knew. And maybe things have changed. I don't know. I'm not in the on the inside loop like I used to be, but that was, that was the Achilles heel, um, for the organization, in my opinion, back then. And it, and it probably is the same with any organization that has a nonprofit board that takes a very heavy hand in trying to determine the day-to-day -day decisions. Um, you know, people need to learn. It's like owning a business, right? If you hire a manager, let that manager do his job or her job. Uh, if you hire an employee, teach that employee what to do and then turn them loose. If you're going to micromanage them day in, day out, then what the hell are you doing? Why, why are you, why are you hiring that person? So it's probably a little bit more than you expected to hear from me. And I, I apologize to those who think that I'm uh, taking a, a bad, bad angle here, but I'm not trying to, I'm just trying to tell you honestly what my experience was. He is on his way to England tomorrow so i'm sure there's an early bell that's going to need to happen uh, i won't keep you any longer mike i certainly appreciate the time here it was great to catch up appreciate the look back on this year's event and of course the look back on where the world food championships has uh, really come out of uh, 10 years ago and it's now an event that everybody's talking about every year and um, if things come to fruition uh, this is really only the beginning uh, the next 10 years are going to be absolutely dynamic and we'll look forward to tracking that and i promise to do my part to not let two years pass before we have you on again again appreciate the candor and the insight and good luck tomorrow and uh, everything else you have planned over the next couple of weeks and merry christmas
Thank you, Greg. It's always a pleasure. Uh, appreciate what you do. Probably not enough people tell you uh, that you really do a great deal of, of good stuff for barbecue. So keep doing it. Uh, I can't wait to see what the next chapters look like for me and you. So uh, good luck. Merry Christmas to you. Talk to you sooner rather than later. All right. There he is. Mike McLeod right there. World Food Championships and MMA Creative, if you didn't know. So great information there. Figured since I had him, why not? See if there could be a rekindling. I mean, geez, back in the day, that was a very solid relationship. Was. The Sam's Club Barbecue Tour was born out of MMA Creative. By the way, if you didn't notice, that is not going on anymore. Thanks to Mike McLeod. Hey, back in the day, watches were made to be worn in the pocket. After World War II, wristwatches came into vogue, and the pocket watch quickly became an afterthought, finding its way into sock drawers and scrap heaps, and that's a tragedy. Enter Vortic Watch Company, helping bridge the gap between America's storied watch manufacturing past and bridging it to the present day, where wristwatches are now finding incredible popularity once again. Here's the coolest part. Each watch that Vortic makes is unique and one-of-a-kind. Vortic founded on the motto that America wasn't assembled, it was built. Check out VorticWatches.com for more info. That's VorticWatches.com. We're back to wrap the show right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Whole packers, full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Rimpy. And we thank Mike McLeod for joining us the past two segments, or should we say the balance of the second hour, starting about 14 past. And we talked a lot about the past of the World Food Championships. Of course, a lot about what happened here recently. The COVID years, which were quite a hurdle for them to get over, but they have made it past it. And this year, really gaining that momentum back, as Mike said. And then, of course, touching on some competition barbecue as we closed it out last segment, which I certainly appreciate. So... With that being said, as we're a little late, two minutes past the top of the hour, we'll go ahead and get going out of here all the way back in the first hour. Starting out was Rusty Monson from Salt City Barbecue making his last quarterly check-in of 2022 as we talk about his barbecue trailer. Talk about the last 90 days of business, what he looks to have going here for the next handful of months in 2023. He did talk about brick and mortar. He did talk about investors. He did talk about food trucks and not more food trailers, so all very interesting stuff in case you missed it. First hour will be available on podcast Wednesday. In the second hour, uh, then we had Wes Wright from cookoutnews.com. We talked a lot about the new Weber news, that Weber is being taken back privately out of the public sector. We also talked a little bit about some of the other bigger companies that are still public and what their fate might be, given the fact that there's a lot of inventory and a lot of it isn't moving. And of course, going to be more coming so what do you do with that second hour mike mcleod worldfoodchampionship.com is the website and 
he's on his way to England to potentially strike a deal that, if I'm reading into it properly, might bring the final table this year over to England. So we'll see what happens there. Any updates I'll give you here on social media or next Tuesday when the next live show airs. So, big show planned for you next Tuesday. It's the third Tuesday. Mr. J will be in, amongst others. So we're looking forward to talking some pizza there. How do I always leave you? September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Reppy. Good night now. This is Miley Reppy, and you're listening to Barbecue Central.